Welcome to Parker Memorial's podcast of the 8.30 a.m. service. Our service includes modern-style worship and an on-time message from God's Word by Dr. Mac Amos. Now, here's this week's message. Turn to the book of James, James chapter 5, as we're continuing to focus on practical Christianity. And as James is about to close out over the next few weeks, we'll focus on him closing out this letter. He focuses on two primary things, two priorities that should be a part of the Christian experience. Two things that we're going to need in our faith and in our journey. One of those is prayer. Wouldn't we all acknowledge that? One of those is prayer. Prayer is essential. Prayer is of utmost importance in our spiritual walk. And to know how to pray and when to pray and how we have the the possibility of prayer all of those things are true, and in just a few verses, James is going to deal with so many of those, those principles. But along with prayer, the second priority, he says, is praise. We've had an opportunity to do that this morning, amen? The praise team has led us, and we've had the opportunity of praising Jesus. And I want you to know, he is worthy of praise. The Lord God is worthy of praise. Not just on Sunday morning, we gather here in this place and we raise our hands and we lift our voices, but he is worthy of praise each and every day. And James is going to teach us that there is occasion and we are to take the occasions to always be praising our God. We should always be in the midst of prayer and we should always be praising. Those are two priorities of the Christian faith. And he says, you need to know how to do that. And when to do it. So what he says, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 5 of the book of James. Here's what he says. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another. So that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the sky poured rain and the earth produced its fruit. We'll stop there. We'll focus on some of these verses today. Take us a few weeks to get through these verses because it's so full. But first of all, I want you to notice how he writes about these three first statements in verse 13 and verse 14. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders. The, the very structure of those questions that he asked communicates this to us. Now, listen to me very carefully. It communicates this to us. That every one of us in our life experiences, we're going to have the opportunity to walk through each of those journeys. In other words, in in our life experiences as we live in this world, we are going to have times of suffering. Okay? We are going to have times of suffering. 
We also, as we walk through this world, we're going to have times of cheerfulness, of great joy. You're going to have that. And also, as you walk through this world, you're going to have times of sickness. Whether that be a sickness, a physical sickness, or a spiritual sickness, you're just going to experience those times. It's much like the writer of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You remember what he said? There is a time for everything under the sun. There is a time to be born. There is a time to die. And he goes through that whole episode of experiencing and sharing with us what we're going to experience as we journey in life. And he's letting us know this, James is, is that all of us are going to have those times. Are you here today, and you don't have to raise your hand, but you here today, would you have to say, yes, I've been through some times of suffering in my life. I've been through some hard, you don't have to raise your hand, just, I've been through times of suffering. I, I, I've been through joyful times and, and cheerful times in, in my life. I've had that. Or I've been through sickness as I've journeyed in this life. If we live long enough, we are going to experience all of those things. Every one of those things are going to be a part of our lives. Now, here's the question. What do you do? What do you do? And this is why James is talking to us about this, because he's he's basically helping us to understand this. If we know that it is going to happen, then we shouldn't let it surprise us. Amen? Amen. We shouldn't let it surprise us that all of a sudden I've gone through a time of suffering or I've gone through a time of sickness that snuck up on me. I didn't think that would ever happen to me in my life. No, he says, it's going to happen to you. It's a part of living in a sinful world. It's a part of this changed world whenever sin entered in and and all the things that affected that. Praise God, one day we're going to move from here and we don't have suffering anymore. Amen? And praise God, one day we're going to be away from sickness. We don't have to worry about sickness anymore. But while we journey on this earth, there are going to be these things that happen to us. So do not be surprised by it. Do not be surprised by it. But here, here's the truth. Be prepared for it. You just need to get prepared for it. And when is it that you ought to get prepared? Not when it happens, You need to get prepared and ready and know what to do before it happens. Amen? Once it happens, it's kind of hard to learn what you need to do. But if you'll learn beforehand and you'll put in your heart, this is what God's called me to do. This is what he's told me I need to do whenever these things happen. And we get prepared for that. When it does happen in our life, we just automatically begin to do those things God has taught us to do. Now is the time, now is the time to be prepared. And James says, get ready. Be ready. When and if, as it will happen in your life, be ready. This is what you are to do. See, my friend, if you're going to make hay, you got to do it while the sun's shining. Amen? You can't put up hay when it's raining. And and you're going to have to do that. That's the same way spiritually. You have to get ready before it happens so that you are prepared when it does happen. And he says, two things are of utmost importance when you're getting ready for these things to happen. One is you're going to have to learn how to pray. You're going to have to learn how to pray, and you're going to have to pray. And the other thing is you're going to have to praise. Learn how to praise God. Learn how to praise God. Now, let's talk about those times when prayer is a priority. When the priority is prayer, when is that? Well, he says there in verse 13, the very first one, this is what he says. Is anyone among you suffering let him or her pray 
Okay, this is the first time that, that he says you need to be prepared to pray. You need to be prepared to pray. When suffering comes into your life, when suffering comes into your life, that word in the Greek language literally means that when evil will touch you, when evil touches your life as you walk in this world, and it's in a passive voice. Do you remember in English learning about a passive voice? A passive voice means it's not what you do, but it's what you sit there passively not doing, but it happens to you. In other words, this suffering that comes in your life is not a result that you did something wrong. It's not a something that you caused it to happen in your life. But rather, you were living in this world, and passively as you were living in this world, this evil or this suffering comes into your life. You didn't cause it. You just live in a sinful world, and it came your way. Now, you need to write a little note there because it'll help you. I promise you. People ask this question all the time. Here's a little note you write. Tough things can happen in your life even if you are not sinning. Okay? Because most of us, when something tough in our life happens, what did I do? What have I done to cause this? Listen, there can be suffering that comes in your life that is not anything you did. It's just the fact you live in a sinful world. And that suffering comes in your life. You're a passive about it, but it's coming into your life. Those suffering times will come. I promise you. What are some of those suffering times? Let me just identify a few. Have you lived long enough to experience a death of a loved one? Have you experienced that death of that mother, that father, that sister, that brother, that husband, that wife? Have you experienced the death of that child, that grandchild? Have you experienced the death of a friend or an associate or somebody that you cared about? You experienced that death that they went through, and it causes pain. It causes suffering. It causes tears to come out of your eyes, and your heart weeps. Not because you did anything, it's because you live in a sinful world and death is a result of that sinful world and suffering comes. What about when your health will fail? When your health fails and you're not able to do the things that you used to do and you spend more time at the doctors or having tests than what you would want and you can't seem to get well or there's no cure for where you what's happening to you or nobody knows exactly how to help you, those things are tough whenever at one time you were strong and vigorous and now you're unable to do those things, when health fails, that can be a suffering time in your life. What about when there's financial struggles or when there's that job loss and when you don't know how the ends are going to meet and those concerns and cares push in on your life? What about relationship struggles? They're not dead. It's just as though they're like they're dead in a relationship to you because something that's caused there to be a, a hindrance in your relationship and your fellowship with somebody. That child is upset with their parent or the parent upset with their child or brothers and sisters have let something come in between them and families are are in disarray. All of those things are happening. Those are times of suffering. What about times of disappointment? Have you ever hoped something's going to be really great only to find out that it doesn't measure up to that? What about failures that happen in your life? There are all kinds of ways that suffering can come in your life. All kinds of ways that it can touch you. Not what you did. It's not that you caused it to happen. It's just the fact that suffering comes into your heart and into your life because you live in this world 
And what did he say? When suffering comes into your life, you're what? You are to pray. You are to pray. Now that word pray there, or prayer, is the simplest and most common word used for prayer in the Greek language. You know what it means? It means talk to God. It means just talk to God. That's what prayer is. It is even even first and second graders. Whenever I was in vacation Bible school a few weeks ago, I said, "We've got to talk to God." If we when we talk to God, what do we call that? Prayer. First and second graders know what talking to God is, but but prayer is talking to God. Prayer is not an activity. It's not something you just sit here and say. And you're you're speaking to the mountains. You're speaking to the moon. Or you're speaking to the wind. It's you're speaking to God and. And you're talking to God and sharing with God. And basically what James is saying is whenever that suffering comes into your heart and into your life and you experience that, you need to know that the first response, not the last response, is to talk to God. To talk to God. Now, you're sitting here, especially if you're not in one of those times of suffering right now, and you're saying, Brother Mac, that is so logical. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that, but not everybody does that. Everybody knows it, but not everybody does it because whenever the suffering happens, things change. What do I mean by that? Sometimes when suffering happens in our life, the old devil will come along and he'll speak all kinds of evil into our heart and all kinds of lies into our spirit, and he'll make us want to blame God. I've seen people who go through suffering who should know that they ought to talk to their God who loves them, who will get angry at their God, even though God did not do it, and because they are angry at God, they will not talk to God, they will not pray. Have you ever been there? Upset with the circumstances, feeling like God's done you wrong, God's not shown up, he's not answered that prayer, he's not protected you, and all of a sudden you get angry at God, and you don't want to talk to God. James says, don't do that. Don't do that. Talk to God. It's not complicated, it's not some formula, it's just pouring out your heart to God. Brother Mike, everybody knows to do that. No, they don't. Did you know that a lot of people, whenever they go through suffering, they'll spend more time talking to other people than they do talk to God? Have you ever been guilty of that? Something rough happened in your life, and all of a sudden, you go and you talk to your family about it, you talk to your friends about it, you talk to your counselor about it, you talk to whoever you want to talk to about it. You talk to everybody about it except talking to God. And James says, Pray. Just pray. Talk to God. Talk to the Lord God. He is there for you. And he's the only one who can minister to you. The God we serve, we know, is able to change circumstances. He can do the miraculous. He can change circumstances. But even sometimes if God does not change circumstances, he can change you. And he can change me. And he can do what he needs to do in and through me as I talk to him. What an awesome privilege it is to talk to God. And we'll talk about that privilege in just a moment. But what James is basically saying is this. Whenever one time when you're going to need to pray, when you need to be prepared, when you need to get in your heart, when you need the natural response to get to God is whenever you suffer. 
When that evil of life comes and touches you some way, or one of those results of sin has affected you some way, be prepared, be ready. My first thing I'm going to do, not the last thing I'm going to do, is I'm going to talk to my God. Now, you all look like, we all know that. We do that all the time. Okay, I'm going to come live with you. You got a room for me to move into? Because it's easy to say it, but sometimes it's hard to do it. And it's very important for us to know what we need to do before it happens so we'll do the right thing when it does happen. Amen? Yeah. Well, he tells us another time to pray. He saw that. It's there in verse number uh, 14. Listen. Here's another one. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Let them pray over him. Now, he's saying whenever there's this time of sickness that comes in your life, that that means that that all of us in our lives, usually as we go through experience, we're going to be sick. Is there anybody in this, in this congregation, I, I'd really like to meet you, but has anybody in this congregation ever lived your life where you, you've never been sick? You never had a cold, you never had, you never had an infection, you never had a fever, you, you never had a virus, never had any. Is anybody here who's done that? I'd like to meet you because I want to go live at your house. You're the house I want to live at. Anybody? No. We all, we all know what it is to be sick, don't we? We all know what it is to have an infection or a sickness that happens in our life. He said, well, there, there are times of sickness. And, and what should you do in times of sickness? Well, one of those things is you are to pray. When you are sick, pray. God is the God who is the healer. Amen? God is the God who raises us up. To, he, he's that, so we ought to pray. But he says not only should we pray, but he says in those times of sickness and whenever you have those times of need, it's okay to call upon some help. Amen? Call upon some help. And he specifically says that you could call upon and ought to call upon the elders of the church. Now, the elders of the church were positioned in the church, but more importantly, that is the spiritual makeup of those people. The elders are considered those who would be mature believers, who know the importance of prayer, who have a faith walk with God, and who understand that God is able to do all things. Therefore, we ask God to do things. He can and will do it, such as restoring the health of someone or the forgiveness of sin of others. And therefore, he says, call those people who are mature in their faith, who believe in prayer, who believe by faith that God is able to work, then call them and let them come and help you. Let them come help you. Now, if there's one little note you need to write down there, okay, everybody writing your notes down there, write down a little note. It's whenever you're sick and whenever you have a need, it's okay. And matter of fact, God says you ought to call for some help. Call for some help. Now, let me tell you something. Many believers who believe in prayer are terrible about that. Now, I'm sure you're not any of those, but I I know people who will go and they'll have surgeries, they'll do everything, they'll have sickness and all this kind of thing, and they'll say, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Don't don't let anybody know that. Well, don't you want somebody in the church to know that? No, don't let anybody know that. Do you know who the the worst in the world are? Preachers. Preachers are terrible. They're going to go and pray for everybody else when they're sick, but whenever they're in the hospital, they don't want anybody to come pray for them. They don't want anybody to be there because 
Why not? It says you need to call upon the help. You need to call upon them to pray for you. To pray for you. It's okay. We need that. We pray. We call upon somebody else to pray in our times of sickness. Now, there are two things that he says about times of sickness. Don't miss that. It's in verse 13 and following. It says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders. Let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. Okay, the one who is sick. In other words, he says, there is a sickness that happens in the life of people because as we do in suffering, we live in a world of of infection. We live in a world where our bodies are not perfect anymore, and therefore we become sick. And he says, if you have sickness in your body and it's happened that way, then it's okay. Call those elders to pray. And whenever the Lord has them to pray, and the Lord, according to his will, does it, he will raise him up. In other words, he heals those who are sick. But he not only says that, listen to what else he says. And if he has committed sins, did you hear that? He has committed sins that they will be forgiven. So he identifies two types of sickness. Listen to me now, okay? One type of sickness has nothing to relationship with sin. It's just the fact that they're living a sinful world. And the other is that some people can be sick and they're sick because of sin. That can be a spiritual sickness or it can be a spiritual sickness that manifests itself in a physical sickness. That does happen. All right? Now, he says, no matter the circumstance, whether it is physical sickness or it's a spiritual condition of sin in a person's life that's causing them, they need to call on the elders to pray. And if the elders will come and pray for them as they pray, God will do one of two things. It's necessary. One is, if they're sick, he'll raise them up. In other words, if they're physically down, he can raise them up. He'll raise them up. But the second thing is, if they're spiritually sick, he will forgive them. That they might be forgiven of their sin. So that that brings us to two points about the matter of sickness in regard to it. One is the question of this. I'm going to give you some verses for you to look whenever you get home. One is this. Is everybody, whenever they're sick, is, is that a result of sin? When you're sick... Is that always a result of your personal sin? The answer to that is no. Okay, that's a no. Now, how do you know that? John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Go back and read that story. In John chapter 9, there was a man who had an infirmity. Okay? And whenever he comes out, they come out of the temple, they see this man with the infirmity, and they say to him, the disciples say to Jesus, Is this man blind? Is he blind because of his sin or because of his parents' sin? And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, he is not blind because of any of their sins, but he is blind that the glory of God and the will of God might be manifest. And that's when Jesus heals him and he can see. Remember that? The important thing is that that infirmity that happened in his life was not because he sinned. And it wasn't because his parents sinned. It was because... There's sin in the world and it causes infirmity in this world. But God is greater than the infirmity. And in that case, for the glory of God, he heals him. Amen? All right. But then there are times whenever there is sickness because of sin. One of those times is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
1 Corinthians chapter 11, and it's in, I think, verse 30. Verse 30. Read it when you get home. It has to do with the observance of the Lord's Supper. You remember that? The observance of the Lord's Supper. And it says that some people had been partaking of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Instead of it approaching the table in honor and recognition of what Jesus did, they did it in an unworthy manner. And some of them are sick, and even some of them have died because of that sin. All right? So there are times when people can be sick because of sin. Another of those occasions is in Mark chapter 2, verses 5 and verse 11. And that was when the paralytic was being let down by his friends. You remember that? Let down through the roof by his friends. And the first thing that Jesus said to that paralytic as he's coming down off the roof, out of the roof and coming down on that mat, the first thing Jesus said to him was, Son, seeing their faith, Son, your sins are forgiven you. You remember that? That's the first thing he did. And then he comes on down and the Pharisees are upset and said, He's blaspheming. Who does he think he is? God, by the way, he was. But who does he think he is forgiving sin? And Jesus said, well, whether you're upset about forgiveness of sin, let me show you that I have the authority to do that. Son, take up your bed and walk. And he picks up his bed and he walks. And there's a relationship between sin and the sickness. So here, James says, there can be sickness of the world and there can be sickness because of sin. But in whatever case it is, call upon help to come and pray for you. Call upon the help. You pray, and they pray, and if it's the sickness of the world, I can raise you up. If it's the sickness of sin, I will forgive you. I will forgive you. Well, that's a great promise, amen? So whenever you're suffering or whenever you're sick, it says that you are to call on and pray to God. Call and pray to God. Now, in these verses, there is so much about prayer. It's like, it's like James pulls all of Scripture together, and in about five verses, he's going to say a whole bunch about prayer. It's so much we can't talk about it all today. So I, I want to begin by talking to you about one or two principles of, of what he talks about in prayer. Because there are certain things in here that are not baptistic. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that? They're not baptistic. Like when it says anointing with oil. Oh. Oh. Man, that makes me nervous. Well, it's scriptural, amen. So we need to talk about that. We're not talking about that today. I want you to come back next week, all right? But there are all kinds of things. He talks about all kinds of principles of of prayer. Of prayer. He answers a lot of questions about prayer. Just in these verses, he ties all of those things together. So I, I want to talk to you about just one principle, primarily one principle today about prayer. And, and that is the position, the position that you and I enjoy and that we must enjoy in order to really pray. In order to really pray. Prayer is, it, prayer is offered seemingly around the world by all types of groups and all types of people. But that is not really prayer, amen? <laughs> In other words, you're not praying unless you talk to God. 
The other is you are filling the air with words. But unless there's communication with God that goes on, it is not prayer. For instance, whenever the man that he references here, when Elijah prays, a man with a nature likened to ours, but when he prayed to God, it didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed again, and it rains for three and a half years. But in the midst of that, between those times, in the midst of that, he had that competition with a group who prayed all the time. They were called the prophets of Baal. They prayed all the time. But when the competition on Mount Carmel happened, and they're praying to their God, 450 of them in number, to answer by fire and to consume the sacrifice and the altar, whenever he, they prayed, did anybody answer? Nobody answered. Because there's nobody there. And when there's nobody there, there's nobody to talk to. And whenever you're talking to, you're not communicating, you're not talking to him, you're just filling the air with words, but that is not prayer. You got it? And throughout all religions, there's going to be this practice of seeming prayer. But it is not prayer unless you talk to God. And there is one God and only one God, and he doesn't have many names. He gave his name as Yahweh, I am that I am. I am that I am, the one true God. And if prayer takes place, we're talking to that one true God. I know a lot of people don't like that about Christianity. You Christians, you think you're the only ones. You're the only ones who can go. You're the only ones who can talk to God. It is very exclusive to talk to God, but everybody's invited. Everybody's invited. Any person in all of creation can have that opportunity to communicate with God. But you got to do it God's way. you got to do it God's way. And he tells you what his way is. Right here, James tells you. Listen to what it says. Here in James chapter 5, I want you to notice what it says in verse 15. Listen. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. You need to circle those words in faith. The prayer offered in faith. Now I want you to go over to the end of verse 16 when it says this. The effective prayer of a righteous man or a righteous one can and does accomplish much. Do you want your prayers to accomplish much? Well, there's one who's promised it'll accomplish much. That's the righteous one. Okay, so here's two things. The prayer offered in faith. That means a prayer offered by means of or in the faith. In the faith. It's not talking about a primary, I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm believing that this prayer is going to be answered. Okay, there's a part of that that is true, but that's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about is that prayer is prayer when it's offered in the faith. In the faith, what does that mean? Well, how do you and I have a relationship with God? It says we have a relationship with God when we have faith in the Son of God. We put our faith and trust in Jesus, the Son of God, that he died on the cross, paid the price for our sin, forgives us of sin, adopts us in his family, makes us a child of God, and gives to us the opportunity and privilege of being in a relationship with him, which allows us to pray. Did y'all get that? And that's how we have a relationship with God is in faith. And by that faith in Jesus, we are able to enter into a relationship with God. 
Now go back over to the next verse where it said in verse 16, it says, The effective prayer of a righteous one accomplishes much. Talking about the same thing. Whenever I enter into a faith relationship with Jesus and faith relationship with God, you know what he does? This is amazing. He forgives me of all my sin. He forgives me of all my sin. My past sin, my present sin, and even my future sin. Do you understand that? When Jesus died on the cross, he died once for all, for all time, for my sin. And when I came into him, his blood was shed for my sin, and he died and paid the price for my sin, and the offering for my sin was made before I ever sin it. Before I ever do it. And see, I don't have as a child of God, I'm not really called on to, to ask forgiveness of sin. You know what I'm called to do? Confess my sin. Confessing my sin is I agree with God. God, I'm sorry that what I just did was sin. I agree with you that sin, but I thank you that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me and that he forgave me of my sin on that cross. And whenever I ask as a seven-year-old boy to give my heart to Jesus, all my sin is wiped away. All my sin is wiped away. And whenever he took away my sin... He placed in my heart the stamp that I am a righteous one. Can you believe that? I'm righteous. Look at me. I am righteous. Now, I don't always act righteous. I don't always live right, but I am righteous. Because he imputed to me righteousness. Imputed is a banking term. It means he deposited to my account that I am righteous. Not my righteousness, but the righteousness of the Son of God. And whenever I gave my heart to Christ, I became a righteous one. And now that by faith I entered into a relationship with Jesus, he forgave me of my sin, adopted me in a family, I become a righteous one, and therefore I have the position of being a righteous one that I can pray and my prayer can be effective. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. It brings about the question, and you've heard this question asked many times before. Well, does God, does God answer the prayers of a lost person? Or does God answer the prayers of somebody who's not a Christian? Does God answer the prayers? Well, let me, let me say a, a couple things to you about that. First of all, one thing is very true. God will always answer this prayer of a lost person. And that is, if they pray to be saved, God will hear that prayer. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, whoever that person is, I told you, it's exclusive, but everybody can come. Amen? The most beautiful word in the word of God is the word whosoever. Whosoever. Anybody. No matter how smart you are, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how pretty or ugly you are, it doesn't matter. Anybody can come. All you have to do is call upon him, and you can be saved. So he hears that prayer. We know that he hears that prayer. But here's the second truth. God never obligates himself to answer the prayer of anyone outside his family. He, he, he never obligates himself in the word of God to answer the prayer 
of someone who's not in relationship with him, whereas he does make a promise to his children. So what that means is, does God answer the prayer of a lost person? He may. He could. God's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to do. Amen? (laughs) He's God. We're not going to tell God what he can and what he can't do. But he never in the word obligates himself or makes a promise that he will hear the prayer of that one who does not have a righteous relationship with him. Whereas he makes the promise that he will hear and answer the prayers of his children. He does make that promise. You say, Brother Mac, where do you know that? Well, a good good place is to go to the last chapter of the book of Job. Just write that down. Last chapter of the book of Job. It's whenever God's settling accounts with Job. And he also settled accounts with those three friends. You remember Job's three friends who came? (laughs) They came and gave him advice. It wasn't very good advice. And God settles accounts. You know what he settles account about? He tells Eliphaz and his friends, he says, What you spoke was not of my word. What you spoke was not of me. It was not truth. And he says this. He says, now get you some sacrifice, and you carry those sacrifices over to Job. (laughs) You offer those sacrifices, and you ask of my man Job. You ask of my man Job that he will pray for you, and as he prays for you, I will forgive you. It's what? When Job, who's Job? A righteous one. (laughs) When Job prays for you, I will forgive you. He didn't tell them when they prayed, he would, but he said, have Job to, Job to pray. So right there, you know that God needed his man to pray. Now, I've heard people say, well, there's this lost person who prayed, and, and God answered that prayer. It, very likely, I said, God can do anything he wants to. But who knows, a righteous man might have prayed the same prayer, and it was answered to the righteous man. I don't know that. And like I said, God can do what he wants to, but here's the key. He does, in his word, make promises that he will answer the prayers, hear and answer the prayers of his children. He does say that. Right there he says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous one will accomplish much. And then he gives the illustration of Elijah as a nature likened to ours, but he prayed and didn't rain, and he prayed and it rained again. He says, I will answer those prayers. And it, all throughout, we'll look at it again. We're going to look at more verses, okay? We'll get back together. There's all kinds of things. Praying according to his name. What does that mean? Praying pray in believing that it's going to happen. What's that going to do? According to his will. All those things. That are, all those things are summed up right here. But the thing I want you to know today is be prepared when suffering comes, sickness comes. Your response, your default should be to pray. Not last, but first. Amen. And understand your awesome privilege that because you are a child of God, you have a righteous position because of what Christ did for you and gives you the opportunity to pray. And God has made glorious promises about his answering your prayers because you are one of his. If you're not one of his today, you need to give your heart to Christ. Amen? You need to make sure that what you're doing when you're praying is praying. You're not just talking to the walls. And there's a big difference between prayer and talking to walls. But he's promised you that if you are a righteous one, he will hear and answer your prayers. And that is available to anyone. If I were here today and I didn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if there were no other reason than the fact I want my prayers to go to heaven and for God Almighty to have a chance, I'd be getting my heart right It didn't have anything to do with heaven. It'd just be the power to pray and to get God into my life, intervening and working His power in the circumstances I face. Because as we live life, we're going to suffer. As we live life, we're going to have sickness. As we live life, we're going to have reasons of joy and cheerfulness in our heart. We're going to have those things. Be ready. Be prepared. It's going to be needed. 
Amen. That concludes this week's message from Brother Mac. Additional sermons and reference materials are available from our website at parkermemorial.com slash sermon series. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I have overcome the world. We can help you know the one who can bring you peace. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Parker Memorial Baptist Church, as well as our website at parkermemorial.com. May God bless you until we meet again.